<laughs> hey, what's up, guys? And welcome to Honest Tattooer, the podcast for tattoo enthusiasts and tattoo insiders. So each week we sit down with some of the most talented tattoo artists and we discuss the craft of tattooing. We share experiences and offer insight and advice to those looking to break into the industry or just simply learn more about the art of tattooing. And this week we are talking about our experiences in leaving a tattoo shop, when you should leave a tattoo shop, and uh, the ins and outs of it all, and how to do it and how to do it right. So, what's up, Matt? Hey, how you doing? Good, man. So, today's only us. We don't have any special guests today. Yeah, it's weird. Episode number six. So, it's episode number three for the viewers, number yeah. six for the listeners. For the listeners. Yeah. We got a couple yeah. in the beginning that we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what yet. we were doing. It didn't even look good, so we're not going to show you what it looked like. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, uh, the first time it's just me and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it should be good. I think some of these are good, too, because there's less noise. Um, anyways, so like we said, we're going to talk about leaving a tattoo shop. I've left multiple shops. In my career, I've been tattooing now for it'll be seven, I think, seventeen years. Uh, coming up in the next couple of months. Yeah, um, I am uh, inexperienced in that sense. Where uh, this is only the second shop I've worked this at. The second shop in about same amount of time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you were at your first shop for a very long time. Yeah, about ten years I was there. Ten years, which is wild because I've like you know I've uh, I've apprenticed at least I guess two and a half people. If we're going to count Vegas as a whole tattooer, but he ain't Not yet. So, <laughs> two and a half. And uh, yeah, I didn't really work with those people for very long. They didn't stay in the shop for very long. Yeah. So uh, that'll be something interesting to get into. Like, especially coming from a, a new tattooer standpoint, when's the right time to leave and uh, you know, how to not burn any bridges. Yeah. Cause I think that's huge. I think that, well, it might not matter to some, but it, it definitely mattered to me when I, uh, kind of started things. So, um, this kind of ties into the, I don't know if it was last episode or a couple of episodes ago where, um, we, I think yeah, it was, it was Gabe who brought it up. Like this is the, the me, me, me time of, it life, is right? me, I, me, me generation of yes. tattooing kind of, it is, it's like, uh, down with the gatekeepers, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, like an era of tattooing like you know everything's just like no nah, man information for everybody yeah. who cares we're gonna put it everything on the internet it doesn't matter <laughs> you know like fuck right so all that goes back to today's episode where like those same me 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 type of people are like yeah fuck those shop guys like i'm gonna leave because it's good for me and i don't care what anybody has to say about it exactly but i feel like man for me, I always wanted to always be in a shop with people that I got along with, that I respected, and that motivated me and pushed me to be a better tattooer. I feel like those were really the main things I looked for. I'm like, I just want to go somewhere to work where it's fun, where I like to hang out with those guys and girls, and where I can have a low-stress environment, yeah. you know? Um, so even though I was at that one shop before here for 10 years, um, it was revolving in the sense that other people were coming and going. Yeah. And there were times where it was that type of situation where there were people there that I just did not get along with. And yes. uh, I, as much as I love tattooing, I hated going to work sometimes because the people that were there. That's like, it fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, so like, um, so my first 
ever tattoo shop, excuse me. So my first ever tattoo shop uh, was a very kind of street shop, but it wasn't even on the street. It was like on a third floor inside of another store. It was like the most hood <laughs> kind of setup of a tattoo shop, but it had all of the things that a successful tattoo shop should have. It had like a great environment, like good customer service. When you went there, you wanted to hang out there. And I feel like sometimes the tattoo, the place itself could not be great, but the environment is great and customers leave with a smile on their face and an okay tattoo. Right, yeah. <laughs> In that situation, it was like they left with an okay tattoo, but with like a great experience of the tattoo. Um, and that what is what led me to even work there because like I started going to that shop as a customer and I started getting tattooed there, became friends with the artist. He has suggested me started tattooing. And that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. Um, the reason why I ended up leaving was because of money. You know, I mean, frankly, we love to do tattoos, but I mean, we do it. We do it for money yeah, to pay our bills, take care of our families, whatever it is. As know? much as a lot of people don't want to admit it. Yeah, we do it for the money. <laughs> this is a real job. Yeah. It pays our bills. It pays our bills, you know? So like- um, at that moment, you know, when, when you first start tattooing, you're tattooing for nothing, you know, you're tattooing for thank yous and the opportunity to tattoo, to just get better at the craft. And then later, you know, you, you have the opportunity to make some money and you start charging, but you're not charging much at all. You know, like my first tattoos, I was charging 50 bucks, you know? Um, and out of that 50 bucks that you were charging, how much of it were you actually taking home? Zero. Okay. So when I first started at that shop, um, I would take zero home out of everything that I would do. And I was still considered an apprentice tattooer after like tattooing for a year. He was like, you're still an apprentice, yeah. you know? Cause I could still only do the most like, you know, solid black work and simple things, which, you know, after doing them a ton, I was able to do them cleanly. And I was like, I should be getting paid for this, you know? Um, especially cause I'm doing volume at that moment in time. And, and I'm doing like a lot of tattoos, but I wasn't taking any money home. And I, it was eventually like, hey, you're going to pay me. And then I started getting paid, but I started getting paid just a flat for the week for showing up. Right. You were making, what was it? 200 bucks a week? Yeah. It's yeah. like 200 bucks a week. That's it. Just for showing up. It's yeah. like, all right, all right. Since you're still an apprentice, I'm going to give you like 200 bucks a week and you're going to get that. And that's it. That's all you got. And uh, after I started doing other type of designs where I see this you know, the owner of the shop charging people, you know, oh, that'll be 300 bucks. That'll be 400 bucks, 350. You know, he had, he always priced things around that range, you know, very rarely would somebody charge way more than that for something. And, um, it was pretty much like, oh man, this guy just made a ton of money off of me. And I'm like, I'm making nothing, I'm making 200 bucks. It's fucking crazy, you know? And, uh, the guy, the top guy at the shop that wasn't the owner was getting a thousand bucks a week. He was a portrait guy, right? Yeah. And he would knock out two portraits a day, bro. Like, like clockwork all the time. And, uh, eventually I was like, shit, man, I gotta get the fuck out of here. But it didn't really happen until a friend of mine that used to work with us had left and he was working downtown on sixth Avenue. And you guys that are fr I'm from New York, sixth Avenue is a spot where there's like, you know, bong shop, sex store, tattoo shop, you know, like. It's that's the vibe. It's Avenue of the Americas. Yeah, it's the Avenue <laughs> it's of the Americas. <laughs> so that's that's what it's like. Sixth Avenue, New York. And that's what it was like. And there were a ton of tattoo shops all in a row. And um, that's where people would go. 
And uh, he had me work one shift at his shop and I made money. And I was like, holy shit. I mean, like that, what I make in a week in like a day, you know? So it blew my mind. I was like, I gotta get, I gotta get out of here. So I went and asked the guy, I was like, hey dude, like if you don't, I wanna get paid, bro. Like, you know, like I wanna get paid. And uh, his answer was like, I don't think you're ready. And I was like, well, I think I know I'm ready. Cause at that point I had already just did one day like working at some other place. And- uh, How long have you been tattooing at this point? About a year, okay. about a year. And uh, he was like, well, like you can either take it or leave it, bro. Like you can, you can step. If you don't want to be here, you can step. And I was like, I guess I'll step, man. Later. That's <laughs> <laughs> like later, bro. So that's why I left that shop. All in all, I liked him as a person, you know? He was a super cool dude to hang out with. Like just, I enjoyed his company working work-wise, you know? And I even enjoyed like just being at that shop, even though it was where it was, like it was still a fun environment to be in, but the money wasn't right. Yeah. You know, that's the part that didn't get me. The money wasn't right. And I knew that it wasn't fair because I knew he was rocking and making money off for everybody, but he wasn't keeping, he wasn't spreading it, you know? So that's what led me to leave that shop. So uh, from that moment where he gave you that ultimatum and from that time to when you actually split, what was the time? It frame? was like right then and there. Oh man. yeah, you just packed up your shit. That's it. That's okay. it. I'm out right now today. Cool. I'm gone. You know, it was nothing else to say. It was just, I'm out of here. And at that point, it's not like I had any clientele or anything. All I had at that point was just a little book with actual photos, like photo photos that were, you know, of the few tattoos that I'd done. And I made a nice little portfolio and I started going to different tattoo shops. And uh, I went from being at this tattoo shop in Washington Heights, which is like 181st Street in, uh, in Manhattan. And I went to two other shops. I went to one in the Bronx and it was like on Fordham Road. That's how good my work was that, at that point, guys. That's all I could get. I was like, all right, we'll go from this to Fordham Road. And uh, there I met with this guy. And his name was Coyote, bro. <laughs> this guy introduced himself as Coyote. Didn't fucking even break a sweat. He was like, what's up? I'm Coyote. <laughs> Some tattoos are the stupidest names. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even want to get into like the adjective names, you know? Uh, I don't I don't want to call out anybody because yeah. there's so many of them. Yeah. But uh, anyways, uh, Coyote pretty much told me that he would kind of, he had the same deal, you know? He was like, oh, oh how much are you gonna pay 200? I'll pay you 400. And I was like, nah, bro. You know, I, I knew that I didn't want to be there either. The, the place was in like the same kind of environment that I was at before where the guy, I felt like the guys were cool and shit. And I was just like, I'm not doing this for this. Like this sucks. So at that point I was like, I'm just gonna tattoo people still. And I tattooed, I didn't have any clientele but I knew how to talk to people. So I would hang around people and sell myself. And that's how I would get kind of clients. And I would tattoo them at their place. I would take all my shit to their place, tattoo them there. A little tattooing on the road. Tattooing on the road. It's mobile tattooing. Yes. Man, I did tattoos like sitting down on the floor just so I could get low enough to do like a shin, bro. Because there was nothing. There's no, there was no other way, yeah. you know? So there, like, there was so much bullshit that I had to do at that time. And then finally, 
I found a place and it was far from where I lived. I was living in the Bronx and it was all the way up in White Plains, New York. It took me about an hour a day to get there. And uh, it was a big Joe and Sons tattoo. And there, you know, the owner saw my book. He just looked at me and was like, yeah, yeah, you can come in. <laughs> how did you get involved with them? Like, how did you meet them or how did they find I out about you? I just showed up okay. before I showed up one day at the time that the shop was going to open, the owner opened the store. Did you know about them beforehand? Like what made you go there? Somebody just told me about it. You okay. should go check out this place. It's been there for a long time. Yeah. Uh, for people who don't know, Big Joe's is a very well-known tattoo studio in New York. Yeah. Big Joe and Sons um, has been around since, man, like since like the seventies, man. And they used to have their original location out in Mount Vernon. And, uh, and it was owned by uh, Big Joe Kaplan. And then he had a son, Adam Kaplan, who took over the business and he still runs the business to this day. And uh, he's been tattooing longer than, fuck. Out of the tattooers that I know, he's been tattooing the longest. Yeah. He started tattooing when he was like 12. When, uh, when I was a young gun in my tattoo career, um, I was tattooing. So I worked at, um, it wasn't a biker shop but it was a biker shop at the <laughs> yeah, same time. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't want to make fun of these guys because they were good guys, but like they were bikers. They, they had their colors. They drove their bikes and everything, but they weren't like- They weren't living that life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were yeah. older guys. They were older maybe guys. maybe they had that lifestyle back in the day, but- Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, they used to talk about Big Joe's all the time. And then people that they would have come in like, oh, you know, my, my buddy wants to get tattooed. I tattoo this guy- You'd be like, oh yeah, here's my first tattoo. I got it by Big Joe. And like everybody, everybody that I tattooed always brought up Big Joe's. Like it was just- Well, Big Joe Kaplan, man, fucking legend, dude. Just tattoo legend. You know, he was one of the first people to, you know, start back in the days where like Hawk Spaulding had a tattoo supply company. Joe started a tattoo supply company. Yeah. He used to sell tattoo machines. He was one of the first people to start selling tattoo kits, you know, like just for people to get their hands on tattoo machines. You know, it's- Good or bad as you may see it, you know, but back in the day it was controversial, but he was like, fuck this, we're yeah. going to do this, you know, and uh, also would sell tons of flash, you know, back when nobody had flash and people weren't selling flash, everybody had to paint their own. He's one of the first people that were like, we're going to sell flash to the masses. And, you know, I mean, part of that kind of led to tattooing spreading because then people could, you know, buy a tattoo machine, buy tattoo designs open up a store and figure the fuck out, you know, and yeah. figure it out. So that kind of spread. But most of all, Big Joe was a hell's angel, like for real. <laughs> That's why all these bikers yeah. were getting tattooed over Exactly. Yeah. That's why all these bikers were getting tattooed there, you know? Yeah. And no matter what, that's from a different era in tattooing where being a tattoo artist was badass, you know? Yeah. At that time, tattoo artists were badass, you know? Like there were bikers or dudes that were cool enough to be around biker dudes, and could hold their own. Very different than, you know, a barista turned tattoo artist because they're good at art, like nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to avoid sidetracking as much as possible. So you uh, you started at Big Joe's and then uh, how did you leave there? What was the situation? Yeah. So then like after many years of being at Big Joe's, uh, I think it was like maybe three, three and a half, something like that, which I loved working there. Um it was, it was a matter of like my tattoo skills. At that point, I've been tattooing for maybe seven years and my tattoo skills had gone up. 
I've gotten much better at tattooing. I was focused on all the right things at that time in my career. And it's when I started doing tattoo conventions. And then that kind of just changed my mind frame of where I want to be in tattooing. Like, do I want to be the tattoo artist that's going to stay up here and be the king of right here of this small town and just crush and build a clientele? Or do I want to go see the world, tattoo people all over the place, meet the rest of the best tattoo artists in the world? It was like that. It was like, which way am I going to go? And then I was like, man, I got to go to the city. Like, this ain't going to happen like right here. I got to go to the city, man. So that was really my choice. I was like, I want to get into a custom tattoo shop. I want to get out of like a flash driven street shop. I want to make sure that all of my tattoos are getting drawn for my clients and I want to have the time to do it. And that's what led me to leave. It wasn't because the shop wasn't great, not because I didn't enjoy where I was at, not that I wasn't making money where I was at. Everything was in place there. I love that place and all the people in it. It was a matter of just like, I have to replant myself in a new place so I can continue to grow. So I think this is a, a, a perfect spot to uh, kind of focus in on because <clears throat> this might be the time when a lot of uh, either newer tattooers or even like the veterans, like you were seven years at this point, like this is a, like a perfect transition point where you're not leaving a shop for like personal reasons between you and, you know, some shit going down with other people at the tattoo shop. Like this is a, a growing moment for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Oh shit, pause. Yeah. One second. So um, you left that shop for growing reasons. For it wasn't, growing reasons. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, no drama or anything like that, right? Nothing, none of that. So uh, how did you approach the tattoo shop owner saying like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to leave. Like how did, how did that conversation go? What was the, um, I guess, like what kind of feelings were thrown So how did forth? that go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause I feel like that's, uh, that's the biggest thing, you know, first, you know, we went out, you know, we would hang out all the time, you know? So I, I just expressed, you know, where I was at. I was like, I, first of all, of course, I tried to convince him as like, Hey dude, let's go custom, you know, let's go to, let's, let's make a custom shop or let's start a custom shop, you know? And uh, at that moment, I feel like there were some custom shops, but he also didn't see the, like, why? You know, like, why, why? Like, why, why bother drawing shit when, look, people pick this cool yeah. shit off the wall and we get to tattoo it right away. Yeah, he probably saw the, uh, <laughs> if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, this, especially coming from somebody that's been tattooing since like fucking 13 years old, you know what I'm saying? He's like, this has been working just fine, bro. Like this has been doing it, you know? So like, um, but he understood, you know, he understood where I was coming That's from, good. you know? And I kind of just said like, yeah, I just want to be in a shop where I can do custom work and I can do this. And I explained my goals and aspirations. And, you know, he's like, you're crazy fuego. That's what he called me all the time. He's like, you're crazy fuego. But I, you know, I, I, I understand. And he believed in me and supported me and, you know, and, Good riddance, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we're still cool to this day. You Good. know, I can still show up to that shop, nothing but love. You know what I'm saying? Which I think it's it's huge. Yeah. You know, if you can leave a shop, especially with people that were, because uh, I do consider him one of my mentors, you know, in tattooing. Uh, and for that person to still be happy to see you, happy to have you around. Do you know what I'm saying? For you to be able to talk about now those things together. I feel like it's huge. Yeah. I think, well, it's important too, that you, you meant you believe in him as a mentor. Cause that means that he wants to see you do well. 
Yeah. Right. Absolutely. He wasn't your boss who was making money off of you. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was. He was. But, yeah. He was. He had he had a different mindset or an additional mindset, right? Where you know, you're my protege. Let me. I want the best for you. And you know, when you explained to him that you wanted to move on and you know try a different avenue for your growth, that he was totally cool with that. Yeah, he was cool with it. He was supportive. You know, and I and I think like that's important. Uh, something that I should mention. So when I started tattooing in that first shop, it was for zero dollars. I had to find my way to make it to work or I would lose my opportunity. That was it. Zero dollars. And the max that I made during there was like $200 a week plus tips, you know, and that was it. Second shop, it was 50% cuts. That's it plus whatever tips I got, but it was 50%, no if, ends, or buts about it. And that's how it stayed till I left. So it boggles my mind nowadays when you have a young tattooer that's been around for like two years, you know, and they, they think that like, I'm going to give this person 50%. Yeah. Cause they built a business, bro. Yeah. They created value. You haven't created value yet. They created value and they're letting you use the value that they've created. They've created an environment, a shop, a business. There's so much more that goes to it now. And then like now that I'm a shop owner, I understand that. And I see it more because I, I've worked in, I've worked in the shop in two different ways and a part where I was, you know, uh, a co-owner with a few people. And now where all the responsibility is solely on me you know, to run the shop in the back end of things. And I see how much more work it takes, Yeah, especially if you want to do it right and fair. Like it's a lot more work than people think. Well, not only is it a lot more work, but it's a lot more responsibility. Yes. You know, there's so much that weighs on your shoulders owning the shop that everyone else here not only doesn't see it, but they're not affected by it. Not affected by it at all. You know, whether it's, you know, they're affected, for example, if we have like a slow season and we're in slow season, we all feel it, you know? Artists feel it and I feel it too. But I think that sometimes when artists are feeling it, they forget that I'm an extension of that too. So I'm feeling it. Trust yeah, me, guys. Yeah. I'm not I'm not oblivious to the fact that it is a slow season. When you guys don't make that a lot of money, I don't make a lot of money. And I don't even take 50% from people. You know what I'm saying? Most of the time. Um, let's talk about that because I, uh, I started my apprenticeship. Let's see. Um, I was doing free tattoos, not for that long, but I was doing free tattoos for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And then I graduated to 25%. And I was working 25% for a while. And um, eventually I got up to 50%, which was the shot. Everybody at the shop, that was 50%. And that was no ifs, ands, or buts. That was it. That was, yeah. And uh, anyone that I've talked to at other tattoo shops, that's what they made. Yeah. And that just seemed like the industry standard. Industry 50, standard. 50. You talk to barbers, it's 50-50. 50-50, right? yeah. That's just how it was. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, uh, newer tattooers had this in their head that like, oh, 50%, that's bullshit. I need more than that. I need 65. I need 75%. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I don't yeah. know where, don't know where that, that changed. <laughs> but like it's it's been 50% for years and years and years. Like that's just the way that it's been. That's the way that it's been. Um, so by time I left the shop that I was at, which we'll get to how I did that also, but um, 
like how you said before, you were like the king of the county. Like you were tattooing everybody. Everybody knew who you were in, in White Plains. Yeah. That's how I was in Rockland. And uh, the owner of the tattoo shop, he recognized that. And he was like, look, man, I know that you're, you know, you're busting your ass and you're, you're kind crushing of, it. Yeah. You're carrying this shop. Um, he was, uh, he was nice enough to offer me more money. Like I didn't even ask. Yeah. He was like, I'm, I'm going to bump you up to 65%. That's a smart man. Yeah. That's a, actually a very smart man. And that's why I stayed so much longer than I, absolutely. You know, or one of the reasons why at least. Yes. I mean, and I believe the same thing just cause then fast forward, you know, in, in other situations, you know, when I've, when I've left because of money is because I saw how much money I'm generating and at no point did the shop owner go like, Hey man, you're making a shit lot of money, bro. Like, let me, let me make it better for you. So you feel like you're being rewarded for this hard work that you're putting right. in. You know what I'm yeah. saying? If I could look back at the years where I was, you know, working six, seven days a week and doing, you know, one or two tattoos a day. And by that, I mean, I'm doing like two, four hour tattoos a day. So I'm rocking like eight, nine hours of tattooing every day. I was crushing it, making a whole lot of money, but I was giving like 50% of it you know? Yeah. And like, uh, it was fine for a long time, but once you start really doing numbers and, uh, once I started doing tattoo conventions and traveling and then making a hundred percent when I'm going away, man, once you see that hundred percent, it's like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck have yeah. I been doing all this yeah, time? Yeah, exactly. You start like, Oh my God, this is so much money. But, uh, the difference of like, for example, the years of, you know, after I left that shop, I went to sacred tattoo. And uh, that was a custom shop and I was there. I, I felt back to being like a little fish in a big pond of tattooers, you know, a lot of tattooers with like, you know, I still had, you know, seven years of experience at that time, you know, and then everybody else had, you know, like 12, 15, you know, they were old, much older with a lot more experience, you know, and uh, that was great. That's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be around people that could push me in different directions, inspire me artistically, not just necessarily in like the tattoo aspect of things, but people that had better color theory. Um, that's where I met Lalo. Okay, you know? cool. Um, and, uh, and that was a great environment to be in, yeah. you know, and it was great. And in that shop, it's sacred. Um, there was a great roster of guest artists and uh, it was run by Kevin Wilson, who was here the other day. And like, you know, he did a great job about getting, uh, all sorts of get, uh, guest artists from all over the world. And uh, I built a lot of friendships, relationships there. And um, that's where you got the idea to do that here. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, that place felt great. And uh, eventually I decided to start traveling and go traveling full time. And that's when the first time where I started directly living on a hundred percent of my tattoo income, you know? So then that's when I understood the value of that 50% that's going to the shop, you know? Right. Because once you're responsible 100% of making sure that all your clients are coming and blah, 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 and that you're responsible for keeping up with everything. Um, and in my turn, it's like, all right, I got to book all my hotels, my conventions, and I'm making 100%, but I'm paying for travel, I'm paying for conventions, I'm paying for hotels, I'm paying for all of these other things. And uh, then that you realize that I was like, all right, I'm making 100%, but about, you know, 20, 30% of this is going through time, you know, if you start thinking of like, I could just stay at home and not spend a full day of travel to get to another city, right. you know, 
And also I could stay at home and make $200 an hour in New York, you know, to going to, uh, you know, another city where their average is $120 an hour or $150 an hour. And if you go to a convention like that, you got to bring it down to the place where you're at. Right. You know, and I, and I learned that thing and it's like, oh, maybe, maybe it's not great to go to fucking Pittsburgh and do a convention there. These motherfuckers got the same kind of, you know, the same kind of money unless they want my tattoo, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's different. You know, people will pay for your tattoo, but when you're competing with a room of, you know, 50 different artists, 60 artists, and people are looking for a bargain, you know, then it's a different story, you know? I was, it's so funny that you just said that. I was thinking about this on my walk here the other day. Um, one of the most funniest things that the guy who taught me how to tattoo told me one time was that we would be at a convention at the booth and people would walk up to the booth and be like, hey, uh, what could I get for 50 bucks? And his <laughs> response would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you could uh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Uh, I, I heard this really good one on TikTok and I was like, uh, if he was like, what can I give 50 bucks? And you'd be like, we can play the airplane game. What's the airplane film? You can take the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you can fucking take off, brah. So let me ask you about um, this 100% situation because one of the kickers of me coming to this shop to work for you guys was the fact that you were like, yeah, it's going to be rent. You take 100%, just pay me rent. And um before you ever mentioned that to me, I've never heard that before. I've never heard of a shop doing rent. So, and, so hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. So, um, at this time, I was at the shop for ten years, making sixty five percent. And uh, at the end of the month, I would look back to see how much I paid the shop, and the shop would say, "You're right." Yeah. Oh, give me one second. Yeah. Oh, so uh, at the end of the month, I would look at my books, and on average. I was giving, um, I was giving the shop about like $3,500 a month. Yeah. And, uh, that just seemed normal to me at that time. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. in the suburbs paying $3,500 figure $3,500 a rent. Yeah. $3,500 rent. And then, uh, when I was talking to Dave about coming to work with you guys, he was like, Oh yeah, no, you know, it's no percentage. You just come and go whenever you want, make your own appointments and you pay rent. I'm like, all right, how much is rent? Now I'm thinking like, Going into New York City, this is going to be a fuck ton, ton of money. And he's like, two thousand bucks a month. And to anybody else, two thousand bucks a month sounds like, well, shit, that's a lot of money. How am I going to come up with that? But I'm looking at my books, and I'm paying thirty five hundred dollars a month. I was like, fuck yeah, dude! Like two thousand. Like, that's a sweet deal. Let's yeah, like, run this. I'm going to be making so much more money. Yeah, dude. It it made me immediately want to jump onto that. That's right. awesome, you know. And like that's you know when uh, when we first started No Idols, and like uh, you know No Idols was. And still is a collective of people, you know, but at that point it was a small collective of people. And our idea was, you know, a place with no egos where everybody felt like equals, where we all felt really good and really comfortable about having that experience. You can come and go as whatever you want, take care of your own clients, run your business, how you want to run it, you know, take ownership of what you have. And then we're going to share this space collectively and create a really dope environment with people that we that we like. Yeah. So at that time, I mean, still, but at that time, uh, you, John were uh, part owner. There was yep. three other owners involved. Yep. Um, I was the, so there was four people there. I was the fifth guy to come into the shop. Um, the only one that wasn't like an a owner, an owner of the at, shop. like in the legal sense of the, the form. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you guys made it feel like, uh, like I was still part owner of this shop. Like it, yeah. it felt that way. That's, that's, 
the whole idea of like, there shouldn't be, you should go into a shop and feel just as good to talk to anybody and feel like that you can take ownership of the place and feel good about the place yeah. that you're in. Um, and that's something that in every shop that I had been in the past, you know, um, and after sacred, I went to go work at bang, bang, you know, and like at any shop that I went to in the past, you know, like it was clear that this is owned by this person and they're running the ship like this, you know what I'm saying? We all run it this way. You know, there was no of, Hey guys, what do you guys think we should do? That yeah. like, that didn't happen. It was like, this is what's happening guys. And this is what's running, yeah. you know? And, uh, I've never, I've never wanted to be in a place like that. I always wanted a place where, you know, we could have dialogue and we, we could, you know, I do feel that you do need to have leadership in any situation, of course, but the leaders that you have need to be able to listen to everybody, right. You know, and be able to accommodate everyone and make everybody feel good. Um, so yeah, so when uh, when that was presented to me, um, and I looked at the numbers, and now like there were a, a couple of other um, personal reasons for me wanting to leave that other shop, um, but financially it just made so much more sense, yeah. right? And uh, for me to go talk to the owner of that shop, um, like he he looked at me as a son more than um, just. Uh, I bring a an, coworker, an employee, yeah, 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 an employee. employee. Um, like a lot of the reason why, like you always, you always say stuff about how, like, um, I'm always here fixing stuff at, you know, yeah, at yeah, the shop yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. like doing whatever. Um, I get a lot of that from him because yeah. that's how he was. Also, like, yeah. if there was anything wrong with the shop, like he never hired anybody to come. And, like he was just, you know, fixing like, I'm gonna whatever. go do yeah. this. Yeah. So, um, I kind of learned a little bit of that mentality from him. Um, so I kind of look at him a little bit as like a father figure, also in that yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me to approach him and tell him that I wanted to leave, that was after, a rough conversation man. after him giving me a spot to tattoo, teaching me how to tattoo, like giving me this opportunity to make more money, like without even have to ask for it. Like it was, it was difficult for me to ask him and I put it off for a little while. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, when I brought it up to him, uh, it was just me and him alone at the shop. And I was like, Hey dude, you know, I, I really got to talk to you. And I, I thought that I didn't give any clues leading up to this point. Yeah. But uh, I'm like, Hey dude, I got to talk to you. He's like, you're leaving, aren't you? <laughs> oh man. That's hard. <laughs> I'm like, uh, how did you know? He was like, I had a feeling. <laughs> he was like, it's, it's about time. I was like, Oh man, how do you, you know, like I asked him, I was like, is that all right? He's like, yeah, dude, you gotta do what you gotta do. I get it. You know, you got, you got to move on from this place and you know, you're, uh, you're moving on to bigger and better things. And, you know, he, he was really supportive also. And, um, it made it a lot easier. Yeah. But, um, even still, like we were talking about this last week. Fuck. We were talking about this last week. Let me, uh, let me get paper towels. No paper towels in the statue show. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking last week about loyalty. Um, I, I had this sense of loyalty that like, I probably was too loyal to this guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, even after I told him I was leaving, I couldn't do it in just like one quick rip of a bandaid. Like <laughs> yeah. I stuck around, like I'll, I'll come back once every Friday and I'll <laughs> yeah. do a little bit here and there. Like, man, it, it was, uh, I, I felt bad leaving him, but uh, you know, he was supportive and you know, couldn't be happier about that. Um, I feel like that's like, you know, almost like when, you know, like when you're going to leave your parents' house. Yeah. You know? That's <laughs> like, what it felt like. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a hard conversation to have. You're like, by the way, guys, uh, moving out. And yeah. they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Don't we make this place good enough for you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like all these little fucking things that happen. It's like, you're not happy here. 
And especially too, if you know, I was at that shop for 10 years. So she needs to hold on. Um, fuck man. Every time we take a break, I forget what we were talking about. Um, so, uh, you were mentioning like, you know, after you had the conversation with him and it felt really hard, you know, to, uh, to just tell him and. Right. So, uh, I was there. Did I say this? I don't even even know. I was there for 10 years. Yeah. Um, which made it that much harder. Cause like, it felt like a second home. Um, I had so much shit in that place too. It was like, this is easier to stay. You know, like I got to take all my stuff off the walls. Like this sucks. <laughs> that's so funny. And see, Ed, that's one thing that almost at every shop, um, like both at, uh, big Joe's and at higher level, that was the name of the first shop doesn't exist anymore. Um, there, I, my station was like a station. It's tiny. You know, like you had enough room, you had like a drawer, you know, to put your stuff in and like to then make it to sacred and sacred. I had a room um, and it, in that place, almost everybody had a room. And in that place I had a room and I was like, okay, I got a room. I can put my paintings here. Back when I used to paint, I had paintings and space and I could decorate it and make it a little bit my own. It was your room only? Like, did you share that space with anybody? So it was like a railroad style room. Okay. So I had a room and then right next to that room was Lalo's room. So to get to his room, you had to walk through my room. Okay. Um, but it was big enough that it didn't like bother me. You know, people could just walk right by and anything like that. And working like that was something I enjoyed for a little bit. Cause I got to actually just really get to know Lalo and work with him mostly, you know, like one-on-one, but I would go by all day and I wouldn't really interact with most of the artists in the shop unless I left my room, go check out what they're doing, et cetera, which would happen. Same with them. But like, um, after working at that shop, that's when I knew I was like, I don't want to work at a shop where I'm stuck in a room. I want to be in a room with a bunch of people, a bunch of clients. I like that environment. That's one of my favorite things about the two other shops that I worked at. And at big Joe's is crazy. Cause I worked in, in one room with just, you know, one other artist, but, uh, Adam was in the room next door without, you know, and it was like not a full wall, you know, it was like a half wall. So right. we could ski, like scream at him and he'd still <laughs> hear us, you know? And it was, it was hilarious. Like, you know, it was just a fun dynamic. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, the dynamic that we had at the original No Idol shop was probably one of my favorite dynamics at all, you know, completely just because we were all together in one big room, you know, including like the front desk, everybody's there. So we could all just talk and yell and yeah it was a lot of fun a lot of fun you know this uh so this new shop for anybody who hasn't been here we, we've been here for probably about two years two now, years right? now yeah um, two years. or at least all of us have been here for about two years right yeah um <clears throat> we're on two floors and uh so coming from the old shop that we were at where it was just one gigantic room and everybody was all together now we're on two floors yeah um and it almost feels like two separate shops sometimes it, it does sometimes like, it does the people upstairs like they sometimes leave and uh i have no idea so i'll come up and like it's totally empty up here i'm like oh man like, what, the, what the hell happened up here yeah like, it's, yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's sometimes situation. we come you come upstairs and you're like oh wow there's nobody here and it's quiet and then downstairs it's just still jamming and booming yeah um which leads me to say that i've thought about it multiple times of like i need to break these floors up, you know, I was like, maybe we need to come up here and send some of the people down here from down up here, downstairs, just like split it, you know? So there's like a more of a mix. Yeah. Um, I mean, not to get into like too much of a sidetrack, but 
sometimes it, it, it might look better to have from a, like people walking on the street, absolutely. seeing like more action coming, more action here. coming along. Yeah. I feel like that makes a huge difference, especially because people are always curious yeah. when you're working on some shit. They're like, Oh, what are they doing? What yeah. are they doing over there? So here's a little, uh, little inside help for people starting out working at tattoo conventions. If you want to be busy at a tattoo convention, bring someone with you and tattoo him on Friday. <laughs> yeah. Facts. People, people will see you tattooing on Friday and then want to book the appointments with you for the rest of the weekend. Oh, absolutely. but if you, if you aren't tattooing, people are not going to want to get tattooed by you. Yeah. So they think that there's something wrong with you. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> if, if you look busy, then you'll be busy. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Yeah. And it's like, everybody wants the, per are you, what do you got next? How long? Yeah. That's it. That's the Meanwhile, the guy right next to you is not tattooing. He's ready right now. Yeah. And they don't want to get tattooed by that guy. I think a lot of times too, with conventions and stuff like that is because the guy that's next to you, like that's not tattooing had his head down, you know, fucking drawing on his iPad or some shit and not looking at people making eye contact, not talking to the people that are looking at his portfolio. Yeah. And that's a whole idea of like the introverted artist tattooer and the outgoing, outspoken salesman tattooer, which I've worked with both of them in many shops. And like, you have to learn to fucking be an outspoken salesman tattooer, man. Telling you guys, learn to talk to people, buy a book about selling. That is one of the biggest things. If you're an early young tattooer, I get it. You make cool art, but guess what? Nobody gives a fuck. Learn to sell yourself, you know? Learn to sell your art. Yeah. And that means just presenting yourself, talking to your clients, creating rapport. I know a lot of tattooers that tattoo all the time, but for some reason don't manage to build rapport with their clients enough that they have a good stream of repeat clients. And I feel like that's huge. You can't just consider your work or, or work now just be a matter of like, hmm, did your hair, blah, 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 done, you know? Yeah. Just think about it's easy for me to think about like the barber that just cuts your hair, never says a word. And the barber that cuts your hair asks you about your life, builds a tiny little bit of rapport. And you're like, I might go back and talk to that guy. He made my stay a little bit more comfortable, you know? So, yeah. So Larry Journalist. King um, had a book called How to Talk to Anyone, Anytime, Anywhere. Or ah. something along those lines with those yeah. words, right? Yeah. Um, I highly recommend picking up that book and reading it because it'll, it'll give you some tips on how to start a conversation and hold a conversation with people that you normally wouldn't talk to. Yeah. Um, and I oftentimes like think back on this book. I haven't read it in a long time, but um, while I'm sitting there tattooing somebody and both of us are being super quiet, no one's talking like an hour or two. Get to break by. that fucking ice, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, Somebody's yeah. got to do it. And the longer that silence goes, the more awkward it is to break that silence oh, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pick up this book. It's uh, it's definitely something worth looking into. Yeah. That's one part of tattooing that a lot of, I feel like younger artists neglect, you know, that it's like, it's not just about drawing. It's not just about tattooing. It's about, uh, just customer service, learn to talk to your clients, learn to listen to your clients, see what they want, you yeah. know? Um, and how to just build rapport. I've seen many bad tattooers have busy careers because they knew how to talk to clients and build relationships. Yeah. It's important. Very, very important. But what's more important is if you're leaving a shop, do it right. Yes. Um, I had, I worked with a guy one time at this other shop that um, he comes in and he wasn't mad. He wasn't like angry. He wasn't hot or anything, but he's start packing up his stuff. I'm like, Hey man, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm leaving. 
I'm like, what do you mean you're leaving? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just taking my stuff. I'm going to go work at another shop starting tomorrow. I'm like, all right. Does anybody know? He's like, no. no. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> no. I'm like, okay. Don't you think that maybe you should at least tell Bobby, the owner of the shop? He's like, nah, nah. He'll find out tomorrow when I'm gone and all my shit's not here. I'm like, bro, I don't know if that's the right way to do this. Holy shit. Yeah. And he just, he just split. And naturally, like you just burn some bridges now and everybody hates you at that shop because you're a scumbag for just leaving like for that. For just bouncing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. That's not the way to do it. I will say, don't do that. That's the way to do it. That's not the way to do it because I've, I've left a shop like that or close to that. Um, and it wasn't the way to do it. You know, looking back at it, I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done it that way. You know, and it was, um, and that was just at the point when uh, I left Sacred Tattoo to open No Idols, you know, and uh, multiple, three people worked at that shop that, you know, helped open No Idols. And um, we all left at the same time. So I knew, we knew that it was going to be a big deal. And uh, we just didn't want to deal with the, we didn't want to have that com awkward conversation or drama or anything like that. And we're like, you know what? We're not going to say anything until we're, we're out, yeah. you know? And uh, unfortunately, the way that it played out, it was that, you know, two of us out of the three were out of town. And then one of the three who was still in town just told everybody that we were leaving. I was like, whoa, what the fuck? You know, like. I, I, I can guess who that was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> kind of jumped the gun on that, bud. But uh, it's the way that it went down. And then, you know, we weren't even in the States. We were like in friggin' France or something like that, doing a convention when all this went down. And, you know, it was like, fuck. You know, we wanted to, you know, say what we had to say, but we didn't get to. And of course, we looked like assholes. And at the end of the day, like, I've apologized to, you know, my, my manager at the time. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, dude, it wasn't the right way, but it's the way it happened. Cause you live and you learn, you know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, you have to be able to admit you made a mistake. And now I can tell you guys that that's not the way to do it. Don't just fucking, you know, pack your shit in the middle of the night and fucking leave. That's not the way to do it. That's not the way to be thankful. And most of all, if you are going to leave a shop and it's the shop where you started, the right thing is to have a conversation a really good heartfelt conversation with your mentor or somebody that's mentored you in that situation, let them know how you feel. And, uh, it kind of just, you know, if their heart's in the right place, they're going to be happy for you, man. And if they think that you're doing the right thing, they're going to be happy for you. You know, if they're not, they're probably a dick. Yeah, you shouldn't be there to begin have, with. Right. Yeah. You know, but if you're, if, if you're leaving, you know, because of whatever reason it is that you're leaving, and like we said, you know, there's different reasons why you'll leave a shop, whether it is that you're money, toxic environment, or just that you want to replant yourself in order to grow. All those three reasons is exactly why I left that other shop. Yeah. Here. Every single one. It, all three. All three. All three. Yeah. So like, I feel like those are the main reasons why you will leave a shop, you know? And, you know, you if somebody was like a dick to you at that shop and you were treated like shit and treated unfairly, if you picked up and left overnight, I wouldn't blame you. But if people treated you right, people were fair, you know, you built a good rapport with the owner, with your employee, with the, the other employees and you're good, like leaving like that, you're just a piece of shit. And I'll tell you why that doesn't work because there is, um, so that the guy that I was just talking about, he already had a place to go. 
So he wasn't worried about looking for, for another, another employer. Right? Yeah. There was another guy who um, they were, uh, so it, it was him and his girlfriend who both worked at the shop together. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were left behind to take care of the shop while me and the owner of the shop were doing the DC convention. So over the weekend, they were supposed to be there to open, close, tattoo, take care of business, you know, do everything as far as like, the business goes. Yeah. And uh, it turns out to find out that they didn't do any of that. So when uh, on our way back, the owner of the shop calls up one of the guy who was supposed to be there over the weekend and be like, yeah. Hey dude, I know that you weren't doing what you were supposed to do. You're done. Get out. So he got fired. He, you know, he didn't quit, Yeah, but um, it was on bad terms. And this is where I'm going with this. If you're going to leave on bad terms and you don't have anywhere to go, um, other tattoo shops, especially if you know you're in a suburban area where you know a tattoo shop knows each other. Yeah, like all the all the shop owners, they either whether they're friends or not, they know each other. They've got each other's numbers, and you know if if uh, they know who's working at every shop. So if Joe Schmo leaves one shop and goes to another, the owner of that other shop's going to be like, "Hey, dude, you know Joe's here looking for a job. Like, what's up? Why why is he here?" And if the owner of the shop that he just left from is going to be like, yeah, dude, that guy's a dick. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He wasn't, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You're not going to get hired. I mean, that's, that's not uh, just for the tattoo industry. That's anything like any, any job, any job, you're, you know, you, know, you want to leave on good terms so that you have references, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And don't so, go, you know, don't leave a shop, go to another shop saying that you're looking for a job. And the first, and like, and when somebody asks you like, Hey, so why are you leaving the shop? And all you do is talk shit about yeah. that shop. That's like the worst thing ever. Don't do that. Like, even if it's true, just like, that's not the reason. Legitimately, it's the reason is because you want a better place, you know? So emphasize and reinforce the fact that you want a better place to work at, you know, or a different place to work at, and the reasons why you want to be somewhere else, but don't necessarily put down the other shop in the beginning. After you build rapport with like your new, you know, employer, with your new like coworkers, and you have that chat of like, yeah, that last place I worked at was fucking shitty because of X, Y, Z. That's fine. But don't start off the conversation. I've had people like email me saying, I work at this fucking terrible shop, you know, and they say all of these bad things about the place that they're at, you know? And I'm like, why are you doing that? One, that doesn't make me want to talk to you. Right. You know, you sound like a crybaby, honestly, you know, it's like, fuck, you know, just, Say, I'm unhappy where I'm at and I'm looking for a better place. You don't have to put down other people. You leave your yeah. feelings aside of it. You know, it doesn't fucking matter. Um, and I think that uh, finally, when you do decide to leave a shop, especially if it's to open up your own shop, I think that you should have that conversation, you know, and you hopefully get that good blessing from the person saying, I'm happy for you, man. I hope you succeed. Yeah. You know, I feel like that, that weighs a lot. Um, I don't know how that works in the city because there's a tattoo shop around every goddamn corner. Mm-hmm. But um, in the, uh, in the, in the burbs where I was before, it was kind of like an unwritten law. If you were going to leave the shop that you were at right now to open no, up a new me. shop. Yeah. You can't open up a new shop. Like, like within like 10 or 15 miles or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you want to respect Especially, you know, if, uh, if there's only, if you're in a small town and, you know, there's only so many people that tattoo there, you don't want to, you know, cut the guy that just taught you and gave you a place to work. You don't want to cut his throat and yeah. start taking his business away because it's not, not going to end well. Not at all. 
it's going to be bad. I mean, like, you know, it's something that doesn't happen anymore, but back in the day, people would get their shops burned down. Or they would get their hands broken. Or they get their hands broken. Yeah. Like legit. Legitimately. That's, that shit would go down. You would be like, oh, fuck. That's what's happening. And, you know, luckily we're, we're not living in a fucking world like that anymore. No. But at the same time, some people should get their fucking hands broken. They're fucking <laughs> assholes, you know? Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. This, this topic has been very good. I feel like we've talked about a lot of really good stuff. Too. Yeah. Um, and shared our experiences. I look forward to talking to other people. Like I like look back to the episode where uh, we talked to Kian, you know, and he told us like, you know, his experience of growing up in, not growing up, but I'm saying starting his tattoo career in Singapore, you know, and like him referring to his mentor as his master is just like a lot of respect, you know? And I feel like there's very little respect nowadays, you know, in the tattoo industry, um, there's very little, like, I still have tons of respect for tattooers that have been doing it for like, you know, 25 years, you know, 30 years, like, fuck, wow, that's amazing, man. Like they've lived through so much more and there's so much that you need to learn from these people. And, uh, my advice to young tattooers is go get tattooed by people that have been tattooing for 10, 20, 25 years. And like we said, find a way to break the ice and find a way to start a conversation and get to know their story and learn, learn about tattooing. I feel like tattooing is a craft. And one of the reasons why we started this podcast to have these kind of conversations and have a better outlet to kind of share that with others, you know, um, to piggyback off of that, getting tattooed by uh, people who have been around for a while. If you have the opportunity to get tattooed by like an old timer, do it. I remember, seeing um bowery sand yeah at these conventions and people were lined up for hours waiting to get tattooed by him and i felt so this guy's like 80 something years old yeah. Time, <laughs> yeah and he's just rocking it 12 hours a day people just lined up waiting to get these shitty tattoos like can you get a little fish yeah bro, dude, fish tat at this from time bowery stand. his tattoos aren't great anymore but you know he's 80 or he was 80 something years old and uh yeah, history man he's got that, history that's why people wanted to get tattooed yeah. by him they didn't care about what it looked like they just wanted they wanted to sit down with him for a couple of minutes you know get the experience you know yeah. ask him a couple of questions hear his story like i mean same thing with horiyoshi the third you know yeah. from the opposite you know from a japanese tattooer that's been doing it for so long like you know the, the man you know he's an older man he's not tattooing as sharp as he used to be anymore but you're still getting a tattoo from him and it's still like, wow, it's still an experience to be able to talk to him, hear one, even if you hear one really good story about tattooing, man, it's fucking gold, you know, put, put a lot of value in that because that's, that's special. And that's something that most of all, you will pass down to anybody that you, if you ever teach someone how to tattoo or anything like that, which, uh, I think we talked about that the other day. I definitely don't want to teach anybody else how to tattoo unless you have a whole lot of money that you want to give me, but I don't. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's no need for that anymore. You can go to some online course. <laughs> <laughs> you can literally follow on Instagram. It'll teach you a bunch of shit and then just go hack people. But if you want real advice, just get tattooed by people you respect. Yeah. You know, that's it. Just go get tattooed by people you like. Um, people ask, because I'm heavily tattooed, you know, and I'm like, people ask me like, oh, did you like, did you do them yourself? And I'm like, no, I paid a lot of money for these, but most of all, I got a lot of lessons with yeah. these tattoos. 
And um, I think that's that's the best part about getting tattooed by like old timers, you know, hearing the stories and learning and just like be a fly in the wall. Just listen, man. Yeah. Yeah, guys. So thank you so much for joining us today on the episode of Honest Tattooer. And we hope that you enjoyed the conversation and you learned something new about the tattooing world. And if you want to stay up to date with our latest episodes, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Honest Tattooer. And uh, like Matt said, we're going to be posting some behind the scenes stuff soon as we get to it. But anyways, thank you guys so much. Your support means the world to us and uh, help us keep the show going. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Honest Tattooer. Bye. Peace.